0: Welcome to OV Boss Babes, where we showcase female entrepreneurs, working professionals, community builders, and local makers and creators. Our podcast is all about babes supporting babes, learning about community builders, and of course, female empowerment. Get inspired to the only podcast in the Ottawa Valley that showcases local babes in our community and join our tribe of boss babes where everyone is Welcome. Situated on the beautiful Ottawa River, Pembroke is a vibrant little city that is known as the heart of the Ottawa Valley and the largest commercial and service centre between Ottawa and North Bay in Eastern Ontario. And Pembroke is open for business with their economic development at your fingertips. Whether you're looking for help starting a new venture or expansion plans for an established business, you're just one call away from all the information you need. We encourage all Pembroke businesses both home-based and commercial, to register their business online, check out their grants for businesses and property owners, learn about major industries and Pembroke's labour force and so much more. Famous for its heritage murals, its love of hockey and its beautiful natural setting, Pembroke is a wonderful community in which to invest, live, work, visit and play. Learn more at Pembroke.ca forward slash economic development. Hello, 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 and welcome to the OV Boss Babes podcast. And welcome to the second annual Ottawa Valley Women's Collective in partnership with Local Immigration Partnership. My name is Holly Molinar, and I am the host and founder of the Ottawa Valley Boss Babes podcast, and most recently, Ottawa Valley Women in Business events. We hope that this is the last virtual event we hold, as we are greatly looking forward to hosting more events for women in business in person this year. Last year for International Women's Day, I met with several women across the Ottawa Valley for a panel discussion around how they were choosing to challenge. This year, we are breaking the bias on gender equality. Our moderator, Jody Buholtz from Local Immigration Partnership will be moderating a conversation with five diverse women from across the Ottawa Valley who will offer their personal stories and commentary on how we can positively move forward towards gender equality at home, in the workplace and in our communities. Before we start, I'd like to thank our event sponsors for helping to make this event possible. Renfrew County Community Futures Development Corporation, Ottawa Valley Tourism Association, Petawawa Military Family Resource Center, Perot Center for Women Enterprise, the City of Pembroke, Laurentian Valley Township, the Town of Petawawa, and the Town of Renfrew. We are so fortunate to have such great supporters with organizations and municipalities across the Ottawa Valley supporting OV Boss Babes podcast and Ottawa Valley Women in Business events. Now I'm going to introduce you to our panelists. So first we have Chris Kite. She is a Renfrew resident, a professional MC, and she has hosted confidence building workshops and is the founder of Renfrew Pride. Ellen Wong is a Petawawa resident, proud mill spouse. She works at Algonquin College Waterfront Campus, and she has strongly been advocating for the creation of a diversity and inclusion committee within the town of Petawawa. Next, we have Karthi Rajamani, the CEO of the Pembroke Public Library. Karthi recently received the County of Renfrew's Wardens Community Service Award in 2021, and she also participates on the City of Pembroke's Diversity Advisory Committee. Amanda Martin lives in the town of Deep River, is a small business owner, has organized the We Are Women campaign to bring an end to period poverty, and is passionate about human rights. Finally, we have Sonia Bergen. She is originally from Renfrew. A committee member of the Renfrew Diversity Committee was crowned Miss Teen Ontario East and is a musician, photographer, and music teacher. Now I'm going to turn it over to our moderator, Jody Buchholz, who's going to kickstart the conversation, so let's dive in.
1: I, before we get into the first questions, I am just going to take a moment to acknowledge that the event today is on unceded and surrendered territory of the Algonquin people. And so uh, traditionally known as the Anishinaabe, Algonquin people are the original inhabitants of the area um, where we live, the beautiful Ottawa Valley. And so we want to respectfully thank the Algonquin people and we want to uh, acknowledge that they are hosting us on their ancestral land. So now we'll get into the questions. So we're here to talk about bias, gender bias. Does someone want to define gender bias for us?
2: Um, I can do that because um, I am from. I was born and raised in India. I moved here as an immigrant when um, I was in late thirties. Um, I can define the treatment received based on real or perceived. Um, is by us uh, you know and um uh, and being uh, a girl growing up in india uh, we are uh, not supposed to do certain things because uh, i'm a girl i'm not supposed to ride a, a bike uh, or go for swimming i was not allowed in my days but luckily i got married to a man who was uh, thinking women need to be independent and stand on their own feet. And he gave me full freedom to do what I want to do. And um, even he taught me how to ride a motorbike. Um, I used to uh, ride a scooter back in India. Uh, I was the first woman um, riding the uh, motorbike in my uh, hometown. Also, uh, I was the first South Indian lady who was uh, riding it in the place where we were living and I was uh, looked uh, by others like uh, I'm doing something wrong but I didn't Um, care and um, I broke the norms and uh, uh, usually men um, take the ladies at the back of their bike or scooter whatever but I used to take my husband at my back (laughs) <laughs> and um, I, I was so proud of him giving me all the freedom and uh, he didn't treat me like uh, lady I shouldn't be doing this and that and he gave me full freedom including financial freedom wow. so I'm very wow. grateful nice.
1: I, I knew you had a wild side to you <laughs> <laughs> that's so important though to have a partner
3: who is going to support um you know what well against gender biases right like exactly. women in the kitchen and, and men doing outside things and I feel like that's really important that you have somebody who understands that equality in households yes yeah. and was...
2: I was not even allowed to go for swimming when my uh, my parents said oh no you cannot go for swimming and I had three brothers and they they all learned how to ride a bicycle and mm-hmm. uh, go went for swimming and all that I didn't get a chance But after my marriage, I did everything I wanted to
4: do. Um, See, I I grew up in a single parent household. I was raised by a mom, so there wasn't that gender role, that typical gender role, right? We did everything. We cut the grass, shoveled the driveway, unplugged the toilet. I helped her build a barbecue, put a lawnmower together. We didn't have that. So when I was growing up, and people said, "You can't do that. You're a girl," it was like so what you know I played sports I played baseball volleyball basketball and I remember one time a guy saying to me, you throw like a girl and I remember saying I bet you you wished you did too like it just wasn't something that I grew up with so when I became a single mom raising my son we didn't have those gender roles in our household because you know you did everything. Yeah. And now I'm in a same-sex relationship. So again, it, it, gender roles have just never mm-hmm. been a part of my life and I will be honest, it confuses me when I hear people say things like, well, here's the blue chore list and the pink chore list. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? So I have a very different experience than mm-hmm. than yourself. So yeah. I think also um anybody
3: who is a military spouse knows like there are not going to be roles that you don't do because your partner is away a lot of the time, right? Like um, if it's taking off the garbage, if it's snow blowing the driveway that are normally going to be a blue type of, of uh, chore in the house, you know, sometimes your partner's not there. And same goes for me. I travel. I'm, I'm a recruiter for a college, right? I get to travel all the time. I'm not there to do my husband's laundry and cook and clean every day. And that's really important is that we continue to, um, to break those biases in households, because our children see that, Absolutely. you know, that's something
4: you remember, you know, it, cooking is not women's work, <laughs> doing the laundry is not women's work, that is a household responsibility that everybody shares, and because that's how I grew up, that's how I raised my son, and now my partner and I, we split responsibilities based on what we like to do, so I actually would be doing the, what used to be traditionally gender, uh, female roles, I love to cook, so I do the cooking because of my injury, she goes out and cuts the grass and, and snow blows or shovels. Because we're a same-sex relationship, it's amazing the assumptions people put on us. Well, oh, you're the female in the relationship. She's the male in the relationship. And that blows my mind that, that we have to pinpoint people into these gender roles, which in the LGBTQ community is why we feel so much backlash when you have non-binary or transgender individuals, it doesn't fit those here and here and people's minds just kind of
5: explode.
1: I like how, so we've touched on pink and blue jobs. This, this was something that was in my life as well. And uh, I grew up on a, on a farm, I mean, on a dairy farm here in the Ottawa Valley. And um, I think that I was very, very aware of space defining gender bias at a young age because uh, on the farm, it didn't matter what gender you were the expectation was that you were going to get the work done Mm -hmm. if you had you know if you weren't physically capable of doing the work you figured it out yes and so having that in in, on the farm but then in the home that's where the pink and the blue jobs were so Mm -hmm. you know that you did the cooking you did the cleaning Mm -hmm. but the expectation as soon as you went outside you're capable of cutting and splitting wood and piling it and you know, throwing bales of hay and, and all of these things, and I just remember thinking, "Huh, this is interesting. Why? Wh- what's the difference between there and here? <clears throat> that that difference." So it uh, it kind of made me smile a little bit when I heard the blue and pink jobs yeah. that because that's exactly kind of how how it was in the home, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Um, so, how do you? Who do you think is responsible for taking action on women's issues? Is it everybody?
5: everybody. <laughs> and I think. In terms of action, I think this is the type of action that is necessary to uh, not only have conversations like this, but also talk with young people about Mm -hmm. your experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, maybe a a child that uh, is raised in a traditional household with a division of uh, traditional responsibilities of mother or father, if that is the the dynamic in the household, Uh, maybe they don't know anything else. And just to have that exposure and to have the understanding that uh, Mm -hmm. not every household is the same and um, these household responsibilities um, are dependent on what your preferences are or what you're able to do or what you decide to divide up Mm -hmm. um, between those members of the family. So I think that in terms of action, I think this is the type of action that needs to happen to share those stories, to talk with young people, and um, that's when we're able to sort of empower kids to think differently about uh, the ways in which they grow up and the things that they want to do, um, in the house or at work or wherever. To add on that gender studies doesn't usually show up in education,
4: usually till college or university. Yeah. You might touch on it a little bit in sociology or something in high school. So maybe gender studies is something that should be introduced at a younger age, mm-hmm. because I mean, we did have, um, not to get into too many political sort of things, but we did have a sex education program in place that would talk about gender uh, identity and gender roles and such like this. And that just kind of got pushed to the side. But starting those conversations with children at an early age is really important. And if it's in school, Mm -hmm. they're more open to accepting it because they were taught it You know, and uh, I think that's something that we need to see is is that education starting formally in schools and then and carried on and like to these group conversations, Mm -hmm. too. But if they actually because I remember as a kid being in school and us girls, we went and played with the kitchen set and the dolls. I wasn't allowed to play with the tracks. Mm -hmm excuse me (laughs) oh like so like you know what i mean yeah yeah. i received barbie dolls as that's what we were taught yeah you know so my my kid got barbie dolls when he was a kid and tonka Mm -hmm. trucks barbie doll was a construction worker in our house
6: (laughs) but but i think the other thing is so
4: i have a
3: um a colleague that works closely with um diversity inclusion and, and consulting right so she would go into firms and and discuss how they can be more inclusive and she said to me that once somebody who maybe doesn't fit in a certain area. So for example, uh, we talked about BIPOC. So we talked about being people of color, indigenous, and, and she said the second that somebody outside of that BIPOC community stands up for that BIPOC community, that's really important. So yes, women need to come forward and, and talk about gender biases and issues, but at the same time, we also need those allies to come forward because if I'm sitting in a meeting and you know I'm nonstop talking about how it, it's really important for me um, to feel you know to, to feel good about the things that I'm doing, the second somebody else stands up. Mm-hmm that's when it really makes a difference because now you have your allies and now it's not just you, you know, going on and on about women's issues as a woman, but now when men and and other people get involved, that's, that's crucial as
4: well. I pay attention, especially on social media, when the men in my social media circle stand out as feminists who speak up for women's issues and speak out against violence against women and, and uh, speak up for rights for transgender women those men i we we need to have our own voice we need to be able to speak for ourselves and our allies should not be speaking for us but when they come forward and say oh no no, no this is what i support they need to support it wow it feels so it feels like some of that load has been taken off my right. shoulders and i think that's really important that men need to speak up on women's rights as well. Yeah. You know, when you look back at things like the vote, we wouldn't have received the vote. We wouldn't have been allowed to vote if there weren't men who said, listen to what they're saying. Even you said yourself, it was your husband who said, no, no, no. She deserves to go for a swim. Swim woman, swim. Like, you know <laughs> Well, you said you couldn't swim. I swim three times a week. I have to, I was like, oh, you're not allowed to, swim. you know? But again, as unfair as it is, it yeah. was a man who stepped forward and said, no, she has this right. Mm-hmm. This isn't yeah. a privilege, it's a right. And you're right, we need those yeah, allies. allies need Men, if them. you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <and> we <laughs> act like we don't need you. We do. <laughs> well, we definitely need those of like allies. To,
3: yeah. I
2: like to add something. And um, uh, uh, women need to speak for that side mm-hmm. and come forward and uh, speak. And sometimes women are enemies for women. And uh, we have to break that. I and mean, if some somebody is speaking up for themselves or doing something different than normal, we have to support them instead of uh, uh, pulling them backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to support them, encourage them to go forward. That's the point. say.
4: Okay, I I so. And you're right. When I say that we need those allies, don't speak over us, but yeah. support, support us. us. Yeah. Give us space to say what we need to say.
1: Yeah when you're when you're in a situation so we've talked about we touch on kids a little bit when you're in a situation where somebody's a little older than you has some you know more traditional viewpoints what uh, what do you think can be done in those situations to address the stereotypes that are ingrained in, in, in certain generations ingrained in certain
4: customs that's tough especially hard. when it's cultural no
6: like they say you're a product of your time. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's very hard to change people's opinions. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I but you I have think to
6: tread so lightly too.
3: But I think um, it's really important to be open minded and and yes. you know like yeah. my grandmother. Um. So my grandfather was gay, and you know back back then didn't come out until much later. Um. But that perspective, and then she had mixed grandchildren. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like. Um, she was very open-minded and accepting of like um, you know what was coming like like pride walks and, and pride parades and things like that like she was so supportive of it and obviously hers was different because she went through an experience where um, you know like a family member did come out as gay but at the same time it's it is hard to speak to an older group you know if they're not as open-minded but I think just educating them and if they need somebody like Chris for example and they're like wow we love Chris you know well Chris is part of the LGBTQ2S plus community and you know that makes her who she is mm-hmm. and you're an awesome person and I feel like you know when people meet you
4: they might look at it so differently right. because they're like yes. wow
3: you are a great person yeah.
4: you and know i um, sure <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but I think they, like you know they need to go out take the time to meet people and mm-hmm. understand why it's so important yeah. to be inclusive and and to be proud of diversity because diversity brings
4: new ideas to the table for people and it brings different perspectives. I think there's two things that need to happen. One I'm going quit I'm going to quote Jill Holroyd she is from county p Flag amazing amazingly patient, wonderful human being I want to be like She's her wonderful. when I grow up. And she once said, yeah, it's true, it's true. 46 going on 12, it's true. Um, We have to meet people where they're at and bring them to where we need them to be. And I think the second part of that, um, the, the second thing we need to do is a huge part of that, we need to listen. We need to, don't go in there and be like, okay, well, this is why you're wrong. You know, I deserve to be married to a woman or I deserve to have my voice heard it's more like okay hold on what what is it that's holding you back like what is it about this mm-hmm. that bothers you so much and listen because if we come at them aggressive and and like confrontational they're going to shut down mm-hmm. they're not going to feel heard they're going to get combative so i think meeting them where they're at listening to their concerns and having a conversation with them like we're all, that we're not better than them yeah. Do you know what i mean understanding why Understand, they're saying because once you know why they think the way they think, you might be able, you'd have a better opportunity of possibly opening their mind. I always tell people, I'm not trying to change your mind, I'm trying to open your mind. Yeah. And it could be a bias that they experienced or, you know, that they just believe it. Yeah, And I mean, again, when I said it's a cultural thing, I, like I said, I, I'm white, I'm Irish, um, I'm LGBTQ, But I certainly wouldn't go to a BIPOC individual and say, the way your culture treats you is wrong. Way to just insult their entire upbringing. And that's where we have to be careful. And I think another thing we need to to ask is, what what would you like? What do you want? You know, um, there's no easy fix except for kindness and communication and being open to listening to why somebody is where they are. Mm-hmm. I think I used to well, have
1: really thank great you. conversations with my uh, with my nan uh, again she was from a farm you know that farm lifestyle and I used to always laugh because she would point out when I wasn't being very ladylike and I and, and again we had such a wonderful relationship like the very best and I'd always laugh and be like well I haven't been really brought up as a lady because the expectation again is that I'm throwing hail, uh, hay bales <laughs> and shoveling poop and you know like <laughs> those aren't really ladylike things to do and, uh, you know so uh i'm a little bit of a tomboy but uh you know so but thanks for pointing it out you know yeah and again count. we'd have those kind of yes those, those those hard conversations around why do you think i need to be ladylike like yeah. i am i am who i am and and maybe i'm a little rough around the edges but uh
2: you know i am i
1: am a product of my environment
2: Uh, I was growing up in 60s and 70s and I like that's when uh, women started uh, liberation Mm -hmm. breathing on their own air type of thing and uh, I used to be a little bit different than my crowd and um, my grandma used to get nervous oh why are you dressing up like this no you can't do that Uh, but luckily my mom which she didn't have freedom with her mother so she used to support me no no she's doing good and uh, she can dress up like that. She can go out and it's not uh, anything wrong she's doing. I'm not supposed to go out after five o'clock because when it is dark, and again, in India at that time, uh, girls, it's not safe to go out. But I went anyways, but I was, uh, I was bold. Uh, uh, I put my feet and I stood for myself and, uh, uh, but my gra- sometimes I think of my grandma why don't you grow up? And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i used to fight with
5: that. Why, yeah. don't, you
2: grow up? Why don't you come to my uh, shoe and see? Nowadays it's all changing. You have to accept wh- how people are, mm-hmm. and um, you can hold on to what you had. You have to let it go and uh, grow up with the um, with the evolution. You have to change.
3: Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. my, my grandmother. So this is just a, a story. Just. Um, based on uh, racism. So my grandmother used to take us to dance classes and um, this is my mom's mom. So she is Caucasian. And there was one time where um, a lady was sitting in the dance class and watching the kids. And she said to my grandmother, oh, I think that's the little half-breed pointing at my sister, not knowing like that's my grandmother. My grandmother stood up and said that half-breed is my granddaughter. And walked out of that room. So I feel like um, you know, coming from like just the background that we have of a multicultural family, you know, um, like that's really important that she should stood up and said that. And she's been with me several times where people are like, How is that your grandmother? She's white. And I'm like, How is that any of your business? Number one. And number two, like I'm mixed race. So
4: you know it's yeah and that's why I don't buy into the whole it's their generation yeah you know because I've I've had conversations with individuals in in their 70s and 80s who think like I do yeah and then people my age are so narrow-minded and intolerant and unaccepting so I don't buy into that generational I think that saying that word gently yeah (laughs) but a nice
5: like point that you made is that we are conditioned to sort of um, have certain perspectives about what people should do based on their genders. And I think that uh, in connection to your point, we need to really encourage people to be self advocates and, and express, like you said, what we want, what we wanna do. And uh, at the end of the day, like uh, if, if someone wants to do something, someone wants to be an engineer, but they're a female, do it. Uh, you know, if, if someone wants to be a teacher, but they're a male, do it, you know, like all of these ideas and perceptions that people have of, of certain career paths, even um, just to encourage them to advocate for themselves and what they want mm-hmm. and, and pursue what they're passionate about. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think
4: it's also really important.
5: And um,
4: I'm not trying to pull, again, generation cards, but I remember a conversation a few years ago coming up on social media about pay equality. Mm-hmm. And there were um, young women who, millennials, who believed that pay equality existed, were completely out of touch with what um, uh, unfairnesses still exist for women, like all women, transgender women, women, you know, like, I mean, they, 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 didn't know where they came from. They didn't know what was fought for. They didn't know that once upon a time, if they showed their ankles, they would have been called horrific names and scandalized if they wore pets, heaven forbid. So I think that's important too, is is learning where we came from and what restrictions we used to have. You know, right down from fashion to rights to my grandmother was 15 years old before she was recognized as a human being in the eyes of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, and then and there are there are younger generations right now that don't know that once upon a time they wouldn't have been able to own land. They didn't inherit their their estates or or their money. They had you know, and they equate a lot of that to to other cultures around the world. And they oh that's so unfair. I'm like, but that used to exist here, and if we're not careful. If you don't learn the history, yeah. you're going to let yourself be led right back to that kind mm-hmm. kind of thinking, and I think that's really important as part of the education process we're talking about. Yeah. We need to 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 educate ourselves and educate future generations what the past generations fought mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. so that we can be sitting here today in pants, showing our ankles, yeah. showing our arms if we want. Like those were things that were not allowed. Yeah. And um, yeah, we
3: drove here. We wouldn't have been able to drive. Oh my no, <laughs> gosh!
4: Oh my gosh! We, well, and I mean, back in the day, we'd all be here talking about our children and yes. our households, and the men would be drinking their, you know, their brandy in the other room, talking politics. We weren't even allowed to do that. Yeah. So, understanding whatever, like what we've gained, is really important to move forward. We don't want to dwell on the past, but we need to learn from it, learn mm-hmm. from it to yes. move forward, and I think that's important too. So.
6: And
1: so, how do we how do we lobby for change like that? Because we've talked about the school systems, we've talked about there being a lack of an opportunity at a young age for kids to to mm-hmm. learn. How do we lobby for something like this, the curriculum, to actually be created and implemented? I mean, there was a you know pre-COVID sort of COVID. There was around sex education so that you know the 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 roll back to uh, i think it was 20 year old curriculum mm-hmm. so if we've got if we've got an uh, ontario school system that is using out of date sexual uh, education information how how do we get them to look at the need for the type of education necessary in the school system so that we have empowered boys and girls and non-binary kids mm-hmm. coming up in the world who who know what the history is and who can move forward to have a voice than to demand equality
6: that's looking bad. at sex head like when i did it we were split into groups boys yeah. and girls boys didn't yeah. learn about periods that was a girl thing right and we're paying six thousand dollars like through our lifetimes for that supply of period products so why don't boys have to learn about it
4: yeah you know like why we're it's a natural to- thing that's how we reproduce we're not supposed to talk about it Exactly. It's taboo. Yeah. Like when I started doing stand up, we were told, uh, I was told, like, like, as a female comic, there are certain things you don't make jokes about. And one of them was your periods. You don't talk about your period, so what do I do? <laughs> I get up on stage and I say, "So, I'm not supposed to talk about my period because guys, it makes you uncomfortable." But well, you'll watch the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan over and over again. I live it every single month. <laughs> there's bleeding, there's bloating, and there's a little crying. Let's be honest, because it's it's right? you know we're Sorry. embarrassed if we get a spot of blood on our our bed sheets. These are things that need to be normalized yeah. and, and, and that's important. And you're right. I'm so glad you brought that up because I haven't had a good period of talking forever. <laughs> I remember being in high school and I was on the phone talking about how I hadn't had my period for like seven weeks. And I was really like, I, I knew I wasn't pregnant. I was still a virgin, but I got off the phone and I was like, well, who are you talking to? And I told her the guy's name I was talking to. She's like, <laughs> you talking about your period with a man like with a boy yeah. well yeah like why not he talks tells me when he was actually like kicked in the you know in the groin mm-hmm. so when I raised my son I raised him to be comfortable enough to go to a store and pick up pads or tampons or you know yeah. and you're right we were separated mm-hmm. um in high school in 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 uh, elementary school we were kind of all together but they didn't talk about periods it was in our gym class yeah our female gym class right. this is stuff that needs to be because now when you talk transgender men have periods too yeah, okay. so this is this is something oh it's a great time bringing this up there's there's a small initiative or, or a larger initiative going right now to change it from feminine hygiene products 80%. to menstruation products
3: okay because
4: yeah. men have periods too and that makes people go what yeah but you know if, if someone's transgender and identifies as male but hasn't had any kind of surgery yes they're gonna have periods yeah yeah you know so we need yeah normal or we can just call them pads
6: and tampons exactly yes. yes they're called condoms like why can't we just be like those are things <laughs> yes. we need them yeah absolutely yeah right.
1: yeah. Wow. Want to, yeah so I do want to know a little bit Mitty. you ran the we are women yeah. uh campaign uh this seems like an appropriate time for you to share a little bit about about uh about that campaign
6: so I started it back in the December like just to coincide with Christmas and everyone's in a giving mood um I used it with my bakery so I have my bakery and I have my business but I want to use it to spread good Mm -hmm. so we collected about $1,500 worth of menstruation products for people with uteruses that can't afford those period products
1: Wow! so
6: and we donated them to the Deep River Food Bank the reason why I started it was because I saw they were in need yeah and then it got me thinking i'm like wow like i remember there was a time in my life when
4: i couldn't afford it like was it gas or was it like to get tampons you know
3: yeah and And there is
4: there is an initiative called tampon tuesday and i remember bringing it up at a work meeting our monday morning meeting and they all burst out laughing and i'm like why do we find this so childlike was yeah, I mean, it was it tampon or
1: Tuesday that they turned funny? I think, it was the Tuesday. <laughs> oh, okay. I think it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. I think they would have
4: been more receptive. If it was tampon Wednesday, you know. <laughs> know but was.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But the fact that we have people who cannot afford and who have to choose between menstruation products and you know, being able to travel somewhere, even going to work. So Uh, it's a,
6: it's a huge percentage. I can't remember now, so I don't want to quote it wrong, Yeah. but that we miss school, work, social events due to our periods. Yeah. Like, because there's those of us that suffer from endometriosis, fibroids, picos, um, just even dysmenorrhea, like it's severe and it's not talked about enough. So we get isolated and And we're
4: alone. I hate, is it that time of the month for you? Because oh sure, gosh, yeah. as soon as a woman as soon as a woman gets feisty, yeah. To say feisty? Is it that time of the month? No, but it's gonna be your time of funeral, like seriously. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it I remember missing school because my periods were so excruciating. Yeah, I vomit. I had diarrhea. These are other lovely topics. Um, And I couldn't walk because the pain was so bad. And my mom, even my mom didn't even understand. She's like, come on, walk it off. Until one day she came in and I was literally curled up in the tub with the water as hot as I could stand it in a fetal position crying because the pain was that bad. My mom's periods weren't like that. She couldn't. Yeah, she couldn't empathize. So, yeah, I missed school. I've missed uh, I've missed work. And it's because, you know, people think, oh, it's just a little bit of bleeding. Oh, no, no. <laughs> our whole hormones are out of whack. And it, it's, and for some people, it's nothing. And for other people, it's like, you out of my way. Like, it's bad. Yeah. It. yeah. Well,
2: so so I, I, yeah, I like to share something here. Um, when I was growing up by, back in India, um, when girls got that, that those days, they are not allowed to go inside the house and touch certain things and uh, um, they are separated but in certain communities they are separated but my house it's not and I wouldn't listen if it is and um, I love you (laughs) (laughs) but they uh, were restricted not to touch uh, um, certain things okay and um, for example uh, certain food or um, where we keep the guard type of yeah. thing but I was not going to listen all those things I touched every single thing <laughs> <laughs> I, I make sure I didn't follow the rules Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was very supportive of for somebody uh, going through the, this kind of pain or anything mm. I understand, I help them and uh, I don't want any lady to go through uh separation from yeah. the real world uh, for those three days and uh, separated from the mm-hmm. world wow. uh, that's kind
4: of crazy those times yeah. well I, yeah. I remember reading a book in in high school we had to read I can't remember the name of it and um, I couldn't believe this actually happened in, in places of the world uh, in this particular um, village of this culture and I'm not going to even try to remember, where I want to say it was in the continent of Africa, but when the women got their period, they went to the bleeding hut Mm and they were, they stayed there the entire time. And I can't imagine being separated from your family and not allowed to be around men or your children or anything like that because of a natural bodily function, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's more of us in the world. Like, let's be honest. Like there should be bigger conversations about this, but I, yeah. And it would, you never talked about it. You, you still don't. You still don't. I have been going to the doctors for
6: 22 years. It's just a painful period. You'll get over it. <sighs> don't even get me started on a painful
4: period. That's another thing. Women are not taken seriously. We are jumping all over the place from our poor moderator, but <laughs> that's another thing. Women have a tough time being taken seriously. At a doctor, a doctor's office as well, for a variety of reasons. Oh, it's just your age. Oh, it's just your weight. We're not listened to, mm-hmm. and uh, these are things that need to be uh, communicated and and changed. Yeah, yeah. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I just and we're written off as you know. Oh, it's like you said, it's just your period. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just and crazy women as. I, seen- I, oh it's
3: like women are weak women are oversensitive or emotional but it's like try going through that when you have pain so bad that you can't leave your house or I gave
4: birth to a 10 pound child naturally you (laughs) cannot call me weak I (laughs) actually had to
6: quit my job because of my endometriosis yeah you know and I'm still waiting COVID right to get in to see a specialist I was, I had a medical event two years ago and I was told if this this had been five years ago, I probably would have been turned away and went home. And it was a serious one where I had ended up in the hospital in Ottawa. So it's because of the, my cardiologist, she's female. And because of her research in Ottawa is the reason why I was recognized with a heart attack.
5: Wow! I was
6: on a run. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, heart attacks manifest differently in us. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
6: yeah. And called, that's mine was called scad. Like I have scad yeah. disease. So because of her research, her intern was the one that went. She had. She's probably yeah. had a scad. Like she needs to come to Ottawa wow. now. Wow. And so, if five years ago, though, I would have been like, mm, "It's probably just your anxiety. Go home and take an event. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So in, in, in those cases where, where you're emotional, where you're expressing yourself, no matter where, doctor's office, workplace, and, and Ellen, like you said, that that's seen as a, as a sign of weakness, that negative impact in that space where you're at, like, how do you think that men and women in their expression of their emotions play a role in violating the stereotypes that that we're experiencing that we're each of us have experienced around you you know you're just having a, a day you're on your period um, you're feeling emotional because of I, that I feel
4: like we
3: could just say man cold like you know there's <laughs> like oh, sorry. right right <laughs> like I, I'll I call them out yeah I feel like it's like women are weak because you are having like your period whatever but if you've ever like sorry to my husband also, if you've ever, uh, you know, seen a man with a man cold (laughs) and we, and we joke about that. And that's just another like bias where it's like, you know, you have a man cold, whatever, but, um, but it does really portray women
5: as weak if we, you know, need that time. And yeah. And yeah. And all those, those terms that people often associate with women, there's been a lot of research done with even children and identifying, okay, if you see, um, this woman here in this position what are the adjectives that you would describe her as and like we were saying these more uh, Femin- negative or like mm-hmm. um, aggressive, emotional whereas on the flip side hysterical. yeah mm-hmm. hysterical and then and then we've got different uh, adjectives for men, uh, men. yeah. 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 but but sense, I think, yeah. I think yeah.
3: it's also like women need to support other women
4: you know like yeah. so, yeah. so yes.
3: for, for a long time like and if you work in a workplace where you know you could take a sick leave or you take you know that 18 months off on maternity leave and things like that but when other women judge other women about that that yeah. you know is a really negative impact because other people see that and and maybe men in the workplace see that and you know like at the same time we need to support other women,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, especially in the workplace. Yep. If my colleague calls me and says, "You know, I have to take a day off because of menstruation pains," I'm not going to go and be like, "Oh my gosh, guess what? Like, oh my gosh, she's like at her period." You know, but work. but it's just so important to provide that support mm-hmm. to your colleagues and say, yeah. like, "I'm here with you," and you know, even if I've never experienced that, mm-hmm. like, you need to be understanding to those people. Do do we need to call it what it
1: is then? Do we need to start to to be more transparent saying, instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm taking a sick day and just kind of leaving it that. I'm not feeling well. I've got a little bit of headache. Being like, I'm taking a sick day because my period is unbearable or, and again, I know that that, that might come across as being a little maybe unprofessional depending on who you're saying it to, yeah. but really just like calling it out to say, mm-hmm. I'm calling this what it is. Mm-hmm.
3: I need a day. And yeah, maybe
4: I've, that is what it is. Is it's
3: like, you're open about it. Like I'm taking a period day. I'd love to
4: call into work and say I'm surfing the crimson wave. <laughs> I'll see in two days. <laughs> and Flo was staying. Like you know what I mean? Like that that would be awesome. <laughs> and actually, you know what? If, if that goes back to whole work thing. We shouldn't even have to say anything for any reason. I'm not coming in today. I'm sick. All yeah, saying, I think most. But you're right. Yeah. Normalizing. But talking about women turning on women, we live in a culture that has been very carefully crafted to keep us. Um at odds with each other Uh because um and I'm I first of all I'd like to say for a long time I thought feminist was a dirty word I was like I'm not a feminist I'm an equalist because apparently that's a word Mm -hmm. and I I didn't understand what feminine feminism was until about maybe 10 years ago when I started paying attention so and so my my people might say this is the angry feminist in me but we've been we live in a culture and a society where it only um I want to use this word behooves. you don't know what it means but I like how it sounds um (laughs) it's to men's advantage that we don't get along we're constantly compared to each other yeah our intelligence our beauty you know we have been taught to if I'm, if I'm a professional woman, I've been taught to judge the woman who decides to live the traditional role of staying home and taking care of her husband and her children. The woman who decides to be a stay-at-home mom has been taught to um, look down on the woman who's at work and not there for her kids all of the time. We are pitted against each other 100%. because it makes us easy to manipulate. And I say that because I don't get to talk about this often. Prior to the introduction of certain religions, without getting into religion, we had a large matriarchal society around the world. Women were the cultural leaders. We were the spiritual leaders. We were the political leaders. That's why certain religions have worked very, very hard to diminish our importance, our intelligence, and our role in society. And we have been taught to be catty with each other mm-hmm. instead of supporting each other. So when we put other women down for what they wear, you want to wear a mini skirt that shows me your thong, go for it, lady. I love it. Do it. Do what you want. Wear what you want to wear. Yes. But we have been taught to judge each other based on what we wear and how we act. If we are sexually active, well now, I don't know if I could say this, there's sluts. You know, if we're wearing the wrong kind of clothes, you know, many women I have heard say, well, she's asking for it. Did that come from your mouth?
6: Don't even. But that's
4: how we have been taught. We've been taught to judge each other because if we ever got our act together and Mm -hmm. supported each other and grew together and stood together, the powers that be that benefit from us being easy to manipulate would be, they don't want that. They'd be terrified. So that's why it's so important that we put an end to this gender bias. The newest thing is the TERFs, the trans exclusive radical feminist, because as soon as we as women welcome transgender women into our fold and support them, we've just strengthened our resolve. We are pitted against each other. And the sooner we see that and put an end to it the more we're going to see our world change mm. and more doors open for us, more rights for us. We're going to have more women in places of power. We're going to have little girls who see a woman run for president and not be called horrible names by some man who's afraid of her. for president. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You but, got it. Uh-huh. But, but I think like on that too,
3: like, mothers also um like that happens a lot with motherhood right Mm -hmm. it's like if you don't breastfeed, well now your kid doesn't have you know certain antibodies and they're they're not close to them yeah and if you like formula feed and you know and like you said stay-at-home mom not stay-at-home
4: moms and it's like it's it's not not for comparison or heaven forbid choose not to be a mother Okay. That's a big one. Like, topic, that's a big yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Like, yeah. Judge. Yeah. Judge. Yeah. If you choose not to be a yeah. mother.
5: Yeah. You'll change your minds.
6: Ugh. or maybe when well,
5: you
4: meet the right but person. Such a good, mom. Yeah. Such They'll a good be
6: lonely. mom. Don't you think
4: it's <laughs> selfish of you to not bring a life into this world? I'm sorry. Have you met this world? Like, <laughs> there, But no one says that to men no one ever says right. no one ever
3: asks a man like why
4: are you having babies oh do you plan
3: on going back to work <laughs> your child this morning um but but i think like so i remember when we got oh, married sorry but, a little aggression but, but i like, got uh, married four years ago someone wrote in our guest book have lots of babies and i like, was like Oh my goodness, like someone wrote this in my wedding guest book, like we had just gotten married, and I think like it's a never-ending, like okay you start dating somebody, when are you getting engaged, when are you getting married, when are you having kids, when's your next kid, okay now when's retirement, like it's like a non-stop pressure on women make each other laugh that's yeah. what you write in those and, and women, like now what's happening is like, we spend a lot more time in post-secondary education, right? You know, a lot of us go to school for, you know, college and university and, and uh, getting masters and PhDs. I work with a lot of very educated women that have their, their PhDs and they've had children later. And it's like, well, if, if you don't have kids before you're 30, it's going to be a lot harder. And that's a pressure that is really put on
4: women from time society timelines. Yeah. Time And even my partner, my partner is much younger than I am. Uh, She's closer to my son's age, she is to mine, but anyway, she's 28 and she's already feeling that pressure of, well, we should have children soon. Do you wanna have kids? Do you really wanna have kids or do you think you're supposed to have kids? But it's a societal (laughs) pressure. Well, she stopped and went, "Um, uh, well, am I not supposed to want to be a mom? Yeah. I'm like, well, you need to think about that. Like I'm good for it. You're chasing the kids. You're younger. Who She had to stop and think. Yeah. Is it because I want to or because I feel like I'm supposed to? And it's that timeline
3: that people put on women. It's mm-hmm. like after and, and I can't remember if it's if it's 35 or 34, but it's like after that, you're considered to like geriatric. Be, yeah. Like it's a geriatric pregnancy. And it's like 34 years old, if you want to become a doctor, you're just starting out your life. If you have done, you know, eight years of school or five years of school, you're just starting out your career. And then all of a sudden it's like having to think about, um, you know, leaving that
4: career or taking time off when, you know, you work so hard to get there. The only timeline that counts is the biological one. Yeah. You know, if there's dust on the eggs, maybe not so much ready to have a kid kind of thing, but that, that is, that is the pressure to, to, oh, and to meet the right guy.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: you know that's all I ever heard when you need to meet the right guy apparently my right guy has a vagina mm-hmm. I was not prepared <laughs> for that I wasn't told at a young age do you have a girlfriend yet like I, I'm pansexual like I was never in a in a closet or anything like that but women it's all about do you remember there was a time sorry now I'm all over the place there was a time when the only reason women went to college was to find a husband oh my gosh our worth is so tied up into our our husbands and our children and the big question that we're always asked that men are never asked: Well, how do you plan on juggling children and your career? So yeah. let,
1: let's dive into that a little bit deeper. So, pregnancy work. Do you think that employers are, are biased to hold women back when they get pregnant, like oh. you know, having to raise young kids?
3: What do you What do you think about that? I, I Finding think that balance. I think it's like okay. So number one, we talked about you know you spend longer time in school, or or maybe you want to do like upgrading and things like that. But I think it's it's like an unintentional way Mm -hmm. of being held back where it's like, you know, now we can take 18 months off. 18 months off of work is a long time, you Mm -hmm. know, and does that hold women back? If they take 18 months, it could Mm -hmm. potentially, they might be missing out on different opportunities in the workplace. Um, But I I think it definitely does happen whether it's like intentional or not intentional. It's just like, because women are expected to take that time. And, And if we lived in the States, you literally get like six, six weeks, weeks off and it's like you're back at work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think number one, we are lucky in Canada that we can take the
4: time that we need off. But I think it definitely could have impacts on our on our work. But mm-hmm. there has been some forward movement. It's now parental leave. Yes, that's and great. You're, yeah. you're, and, you and split yeah. it. The other parent. I almost said husband. <laughs> the other parent can take time off as well, which is just as important. I think it depends on the workplace, that yeah. particular question. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one who can, can comment to that. I would like to think that there's more, um, actually I can speak to my workplace a bit because there are moms in our workplace who have had to take uh, time off even just when their kids are sick. Mm-hmm. And, and does that affect promotions? Like does that affect, you know? What if What if you're the mom who's
1: always taking time off to, for appointments, P, PD days, do you think that's frowned
3: upon?
2: see once again I
3: think women need to support
4: women mm-hmm. yeah. like
3: yeah. like it's okay if like my colleague needs a day off because their kid is sick like I'm not going to judge that person but I think a lot of people have that mentality where it's like like she has kids like just because I don't have kids like you mm-hmm. know a- and like with COVID there's just been so many issues around it where it's like okay now kids have to be at home from homeschool and like who's going to be doing that and if you have to isolate. And I just feel like when women support other women, that's how we break that bias against, um, you know, stigma of like, oh, that person's missing work again because their kid is sick. I remember
4: doing a story on CNL, at the time it was AECL, and it was a program that they had created in Chalk River where they helped train women so they could be at the position they needed to be to get the promotion right? Because there's that argument, oh, she's just promoted because she's just a woman, like it, they need more women. Well, no, they'd make sure that they had the skills and the tools because it was their belief that when you saw women uh, succeed and excel in a career, it encouraged other women to participate and, or to, to um, not participate, but to strive for those goals. Um, so I think that's also important. This is why it's so crucial. Visibility representation matters women need to be in these positions to show the younger generations that they can do it you know and i think that's really really important um, in regards to the workplace and eliminating these issues for parents and for women is to get more women up into positions of authority in places where they can make change yeah, and it's only going to be better for the workplace.
2: I would like to add to this in my, my workplace. So one of the employee has a younger child, and we were all uh, always supportive whenever she takes mm-hmm. off for the sick or something. And uh, so we have to be supportive of other women, mm-hmm. then only we can go forward mm-hmm. and uh, break this bias. Yeah. And Karthi, so you're
1: you're in a you CEO of the Pembroke Public Library. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, librarians are are kind of seen as a as a, a female female yes. role. What are you doing at the library to to address a a little bit of a
2: counter bias? And um, we have one employee, male employee, and whenever possible, I'm recruiting these students, uh, uh, employees, male. And uh, I like to break the bias because uh, predominantly library librarians are all women, and uh, I like to break that. And um, so I have currently I have two male employees. at uh, the workplace. Good for you. Uh, COVID. We're like I feel <laughs> <laughs>
1: like we are almost at the end of it. I feel like it. I also feel like I might have just jinxed this because yeah, <laughs> I feel like we, we were almost there before. But do you so so talking about pregnancies, talking about uh, moms, dads, do you think that women have been disproportionately affected uh, over the last two years with COVID and, and work, life, everything balance? What's the last uh, two I years so. been like?
4: I think so. Like, um, when a child has the sniffles and can't go to school, I can speak to a particular family without naming names. They're divorced, shared custody. And when the mom has the custody and there's sniffle, like she'll stay home. Whereas he goes to work and gets another family member to come in and look after. So I think that it may have had an impact. I think that there's an automatic expectation that the moms will be the ones mm-hmm that you know walk away from their career for the day because there's been this cultural pressure that men's careers they're the breadwinners they're they're more important than the women in the workplace plus as moms we feel like bad moms we're not there for our kids and you know what I mean like I know if I ever had to go to work and had to send my son to my mom's I was like I should be looking after my son but I don't get paid if I don't go and then we don't eat and that's a whole other problem. <laughs> but I, I, I. First of all, I have, I have a son. You don't have children. I'm not trying to out anybody. I want to know like, if there's other. I'm not trying to out anybody.
5: <laughs> oh my god. I,
4: I don't want to speak on behalf of other moms. Right? <laughs> See, I knew I this was, was gonna happen. happen. <laughs> for yeah. babies currently. Yeah, fur yeah. babies
3: absolutely. Yeah, they get sick.
4: See, okay, I told well, you upstairs, yes. I was gonna do something stupid. <laughs> the foot, the size 12 foot was gonna go in the mouth. Um, I think. Um, I think yeah there has been an impact and because a lot of not all but the majority of single parents are moms as well yeah
3: but but I think also like the whole um, having to do school online like somebody has to be home so so you know when we started working remotely a lot of people you know struggled with Okay, I have to be on my kids Zoom or Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. I have to be on my own meetings. I have to get my work done on rural internet. Yeah, rural internet. But but I wrote on a couple of things that like really affected women during COVID, and I think um, domestic abuse yeah. and violence also, yeah. right? Because we're they escape. yeah, and we don't see each other, right? So we don't we might not see those impacts of abuse or we might not see the signs, mm-hmm. and uh, and how do you escape that when you're isolated? Right. So it was
6: that sign and I can't remember it, so I'm not going to do it, but it was developed by someone in yeah, Canada. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Or and the text or, or some people had had like codes where it was like, text me and ask me about the makeup that I sell uh-huh. because like, I don't sell makeup, but I'll know that you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's uh, like women have been really impacted by COVID. Um, and it's like, yeah, now your kids are home all day. Now you you know are doing chores and you're doing all these things in the home and your kids are still there. Did you homeschool? Yeah. <laughs> you, you really stuck on that. I, I, I'm, I'm really, really stuck, stuck, stuck on that. it because I saw a lot of <laughs> uh, it, like issues with <laughs> like, kids like parents having to like log into these classes with their kids and I remember one day like my my niece um her daycare was closed so she uh went to my dad's house and my dad and her logged into the class yeah and they're like cut like snowflakes and things like that she's kindergarten and like he's sitting there like he's retired and you know it was a little bit different but if my sister was taking time off and, he, and she doesn't want her to fall behind at all but like taking time off and you know my she wasn't getting involved with like the social skills and those types of things but moms were expected yes. to like sit at home and and essentially help teach their children some days still squeezes the eight hours of
1: work yeah right? and, and make the meal and yeah, do the laundry, laundry. You're, you're getting emails at yeah. you know midnight one two in yeah. the morning because yeah. that's the only time no. that a lot of women have the opportunity to to get to the work that is yeah. still an expectation I say expectation loosely, but still yeah. uh, maybe a sense of responsibility to get it done. Yeah. It's it's So I'm going to say
4: yes. Yeah. Short answer.
1: Short sure, answer. Sure, yes. yes. Yeah. COVID definitely has impacted. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. yeah.
7: Thanks for tuning in to the OV Boss Babes podcast. We're going to hear from our sponsors. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Covid impacted your work life if you've been laid off want a different job or even a new line of work do yourself a favor and visit pmfrc's employment services their team of friendly knowledgeable staff will help achieve your employment goals all services are free confidential and tailored to your needs make 2022 your year to shine call pmfrc employment service at 613-687-1717 or visit patawawainployment.ca
8: The Ottawa Valley Tourist Association is the destination marketing organization for Renfrew County. They will lead your path to outdoor adventure, scenic strolls, open roads, rustic artisans and more. As an advocate for over 250 tourism businesses, accommodations and events, They will put you in touch with the locals who craft experiences for every wanderer, every season. Beyond marketing, the Ottawa Valley Tourist Association provides members training and business development, workforce recruitment and networking opportunities. The Ottawa Valley Tourist Association is the voice of tourism in Renfrew County and represents the interests of the tourism sector at the regional, provincial and federal levels. If you are a tourism business or event, or a supplier whose services to the tourism industry, consider joining the Ottawa Valley Tourist Association Tourism Family. Membership is free and benefits begin as soon as you join. To become a member and to help visitors find their next path to explore, get in touch at info at ottawavalley.travel.
0: Renfrew County Community Futures Development Corporation is designed to support enterprise community-based development. Their team will help you start, manage, and grow your business, provide financing and funding opportunities, training and resource sharing, non-for-profit board development training, and help with broad business retention and succession planning strategies. Get in touch with Renfrew County Community Futures Development Corporation by visiting their website at www.rccfdc.org or give them a call at
7: 613-431-3951. Hi, I'm Julia from Riverside Wares. We are a family-run apparel brand designed specially for lovers of the great outdoors. Our family has proudly called the Ottawa Valley home for generations. Riverside Wears is all about no-fuss designs that truly deliver on comfort and practicality. Follow along with our collections on Instagram, at Riverside Wears, to see our apparel in action. You'll find durable and stylish Sherpa-lined buffalo print jackets, flannel button-downs, the softest tees, the perfect slouchy hoodies, and so much more to come in 2022. Head on down to Smitty's Home Hardware in Pembroke or find us online at riversidewares.com where we have a special discount for OV Boss Babe listeners. Use code OVBBRW for 15% off until May 1st. In our humble opinion, Riverside Wears epitomizes cottage-perfect apparel. We've lived in it ourselves, we've shared it with our friends, and we want to invite you to join the RW family.
1: So let's shift to pay equity. Um, Deep breath. (laughs) So years and years and years women have had to advocate their skills they've had to you know reinforce their years of experience they've had to negotiate their salary wages how do you think employers can promote gender equality in the workplace around wage transparency has anyone experienced wage gaps
2: and uh, we had wage gaps in the past but uh, the employer implemented the pay equity so now we are all good and um i think uh went very well uh, um, but we have to speak up for that so why do we have to speak up for it uh, because why do we have uh, to ask for it uh, it was not uh, um, followed The kept up uh, mm-hmm. so many years before they did pay equity after that it was not uh, uh, we have to maintain the pay equity yeah. uh, it was lost uh because a lot of work involved and uh, um, those who are in a leadership position they need to take uh, charge and do it but it was not done but uh, um i took a lead and uh, we did it and so yeah. ended up
6: uh, happy remember, ending
2: do
3: you remember Carthy in 2018 the pay the equal pay for equal work i don't know if anybody remembers when the, when the provincial government came out with that mandate and, and where I worked, the college, like we um, had all these people who ended up, you know, receiving um, their equal pay and the college kept that in place, even though the government actually got rid of wow. that. Yeah, so a lot of places they were able to do the equal pay for equal work. Okay. Everybody um, was at the right pay at that point. And then the college kept it on. So um, when we have like new employees there, if it's a part-time job, mm-hmm. it'll be compared to a full-time job. And that kind of was our,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, our pay equity. So we don't really, cause we're unionized. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We're in a very fair workplace where our pay is updated and, and you know, there's not a lot of biases around it, but, but it used to be part-time versus full-time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Jody knows, you know, we, we work together and, uh, And then what happened was equal pay came in and the colleges kept continuing with that, even though the government got rid of that mandate.
2: And we do have our equal pay for part-time and full-time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we do have that.
4: I think that's why we're seeing a huge, I mean, I'm addressing you with this, because I think it's where we see a huge um, new crop of female entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. because that eliminates that. You've got your own business. Like it is it, let me ask: Is that oh, sorry? I'm taking your job. <laughs> was that a driving point for starting your own? But like, was that something yes. that impacted your decision? So I'm from
6: Alberta, and I worked actually with the health union there for almost ten years. So it's very fair. Like, yeah, unions had, are bad. I've had people before me fight for that. Yes, right. Nurses stood up and fought for us. Mm-hmm. So there has to be credit given where it's due. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming here, it's actually
1: a huge
6: page decrease from what I was making in Alberta to here in healthcare. So I was like, I'm going to do what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. I'm going to quit where I was and I'm going to start something new. So I did it. It's been hard,
4: but yeah. Yeah.
2: And also the pay equity is not only doing one time. It has to be maintained over Uh the period of time. And uh, it's a lot of work. those who are in leadership position, they have to take lead and uh, maintain that. Yeah.
1: And so mm-hmm. on, on that point, um, what's the one thing that you've seen locally in your experience of, of companies who are walking the talk, that they are stepping up and they are providing?
2: And I would say equity. library. Library. Yes. Yeah. And. Um, so we maintain the pay equity and all the time, if there is a job description changes, I make sure uh, the position is getting paid uh, in a fair way um, uh, compared to the comparative male comparator. And um, so always uh, make sure it's happening. Hopefully it happened in the future too, after I leave. And uh, I make plans, uh, so I'm hoping that will continue. Yeah.
3: And I hope to see like the government has a billow right now where um, publicly funded organizations and, and positions can only receive a 1% increase um, on certain benefits and, and pay. And we see a lot, a lot of that right now with nurses, mm-hmm. uh, which is also one of those jobs that is a primarily yeah. um, female dominated industry. But a lot of people don't know that that actually also affects teachers, which mm-hmm. also is a you know, female, female dominant industry, it affects, um, like myself working at, in post-secondary institutions. So, um, hopefully, um, you know, that bill will not stay around, but right now, um, those industries can only receive a 1% increase, what? which, yeah,
6: yeah, that's what's so, the right? So wait, this is in Ontario. I've this. Yes. It. Yeah. It's
3: so, and, and what's happening is, so that's why, um, like there was such a healthcare shortage because, a lot of healthcare workers could only receive that one percent, but it's also affecting schools and
4: anything else. Is it like Ebola you're talking? Yeah, they reduced it, like because normally the cost of living adjustment is two percent. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one percent. Yeah, so
3: what's happening is like someone like myself, like if I'm at the top of a pay ban, like the only thing they could ever receive is one percent more, but it also affects benefits. So, for example, if you receive, let's say, a thousand thousand dollars a little bit a lot for classes $500 a year you can only receive like when you renegotiate your contracts and things you can only receive a one percent higher than what it was so the cost of living is is a lot and then there's a lot of these um female in, like female dominant industries that mm-hmm. they can only receive a small
4: increase yeah it's a really big thing like if you get to five years the cost of living has gone up 10 percent but yeah but you get one percent five percent you can have that yes yeah one so
3: yeah, percent every year yeah but it's very like it really affects a lot of industries
2: yeah i would like to give credit to uh, pembroke uh, city of pembroke and council um and whatever male comparative for the uh library employees get we get it yeah, so all this uh, nothing changed
3: yeah and same with algonquin college like i said we have a really equal um pay because once again they are unionized and they did stick with the equal pay equal work yeah. He continued that, right? As so, the board
2: kept uh, kept up with the city, and yeah. um, I would mm-hmm. thank board for that. And um, so there is no um, difference in the pay for the male competitor and the library employees.
1: So it yes. sounds like there's a lot of employers in the area who are walking the talk, which is just uh, mm-hmm. really great to hear. Yes. What about human rights committees? Um, I know, I think a couple
3: of you maybe have experienced human rights committees uh, in your workplace? I don't think I don't think the college, like they don't advertise like a specific committee, but we are very strong in human rights because we deal with students with disabilities. We do a lot of different things where it is a human right to have access to those services. So um, we do have an EDI committee. So we do have an equity, diversity, inclusion committee, in which I sit on, um, but I'm not sure about like a specific human rights group But we do follow all the mandates, and I looked up it in some of our human resources policies, and we actually
4: include um, include those in a lot of our policies. Um, I know that uh, when my FM grew big enough, because we have stations all over Ontario, uh, we hit over 100 employees. Because we're federally mandated, we had to have an employment equity committee, Mm -hmm. and I I sat on it uh, for when we met and such, and it Mm -hmm. basically just took a look at. Um, do we have barriers in place for people with disabilities, LGBTQ2S+, yeah. plus, uh, BIPOC, that sort of thing. So, um, And also try to identify, do we have members of those marginalized groups in our employment and do they have what they need? You know, so I think the biggest barrier that would have ever been in our station, especially uh, in Renfrew, would have been for uh, mm-hmm. accessibility. Um, we do have an employment equity um, committee within our employment Mm -hmm. um, to ensure that um, there is no discrimination and such like that and eventually we also Mm -hmm. had to take (laughs) uh, courses and training um, on gender equality and racism and things like that so and and there were people in our workplace, because our workplace was predominantly Caucasian. We didn't have a whole lot of BIPOC. I know I'm like the LGBTQ represents kind of thing. Um, so a lot of times we we're reading these things going, well, you know, this 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 couldn't happen because it never happened to us. But now we've been aware that it could happen to a marginalized Person who worked with us. So, yeah. and there's so, a lot of grants now,
3: like to make buildings accessible too. Like, yeah. I know when when we built our new campus, um, we received grants to be able to, like, every one of our doors is wheelchair accessible. We've
4: got the bathrooms that are you know, wheelchair accessible and things like that. Well, I think Ontario has a goal to be completely accessible by a certain date. I thought it was this year. I thought it was yeah. this year yeah. too. Yeah. But <laughs> <you know. laughs> Yeah. you know so um but i would say
1: that there's still around accessibility there's still there's some really kind of staple spaces that still aren't quite on the radar yet so like breastfeeding stations yeah
3: things like that we did actually so our edi committee um we did come up with like a couple of different proposals but we do have a student who um or a few students who use a prayer room and generally they're Muslim students. So depending on the time of
4: the day, like there's students that are using it now, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's what breaking the bias. We've been talking about all the issues for women, transgender women included, but breaking those bias can only benefit everybody because this is my favorite saying right now, as soon as you try to stand up for somebody's rights and somebody gets all ruffled about it, This is not pie. We are not pie. There is enough for everybody. Just because this person is getting a bigger slice than they used to doesn't mean we're necessarily giving you less. Mm. But it's perceived that way because there are people who definitely benefit and profit from keeping those biases firmly intact, in place, and in play. And those are the folks that are going to fight tooth and nail.
1: And they might be the folks that use derogatory terms. Mm. Has anybody experienced any derogatory remarks?
4: (laughs) Honey, dear, sexy bang? Yeah. Oh, I love the, oh, you're one of those women that wear sensible shoes okay my response oh because, lesbians i'm not a lesbian but lesbians wear sensible shoes oh okay. my response is well why wouldn't i wear sensible shoes like you know but that's oh if i'm in a debate one. with someone on social media and they go to my profile to creep me and they see a picture of me and my girlfriend oh you're one of those <laughs> i'm sorry one of what? like you know so yeah i've had stuff um thrown at me i've had people because and this is another thing with being a woman, when you're debating on social media, I'm suddenly hysterical. Calm down there, sweetie. I'm sorry, I'm not worked up. I'm sitting here eating, you know, my carrot sticks while I'm correcting your fake information kind of thing, right? We, we get <laughs> We've all been accused of it. And when we were talking about this earlier, I wanted to mention this. I'm sorry for dominating so much of the conversation, but even the term hysteria, and hysterectomy sounds so close. Why? We were given, women were given hysterectomies when we were hysterical, yeah. because it was believed at the time that our wombs were wandering our body because we didn't have a child or this or that. Oh so <laughs> that's why hysteria is tied in with hysterectomy, whether they're from the same root word, because we're hysterical, therefore take
5: out their uterus. <laughs>
4: No, you want oh, to make me hysterical do. take out my uterus <laughs> so anyway I don't know where it's going with that but I just had to share that little bit of information I learned that in psychology <laughs> or smile
6: oh <gasps> okay yeah yeah it'll it, if you smile you'll look prettier yeah well oh. I, I wrote down a stat <inaudible> I wrote
3: down a stat and it was so 28 percent of women in canada experience non-consensual touching in the workplace yes and 89 mm-hmm. percent of it say they avoid um they avoid like taking steps to to make those changes
5: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it happens i think <laughs> in terms of um like the names like honey or sweet for, for me personally it, it it i think it depends it's a gray area mm-hmm. if it's something that I feel is happening too consistently and it's making me uncomfortable, that's when I would feel like this this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've also seen it, like I'd be out with my partner and I would observe a cashier, for example, calling him honey or Mm -hmm. hun, and that doesn't bother me.
4: Context is huge. Yeah. Context is huge and personal comfort is huge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my partner gets more, it becomes Mm -hmm. uncomfortable far quicker than i do you call me sweetum you call me mm-hmm. i got called dame once i'm like we were in the 1930s <laughs> <laughs> you know those things don't bother me because about, that's my person. what about ma'am ah uh, no I, I corrected someone once who did that
6: i was like i'm, yeah. a man. I'm, I'm 30 years old Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> what, what i do and they were so offended that i yeah. corrected them
4: i tell all of them now especially if they're guys i'm like listen doesn't matter if they're nine or if they're 99, call them miss. They'll blush. Yeah. <laughs> we all want to be missed, you know. i but ma'am is a term of endearment, but she'll get more offended if someone mm-hmm. were to say honey or dear mm-hmm. or tell her an inappropriate joke, whereas right. I will probably laugh my butt off and be upset yeah. that I didn't think of it first. Yeah. So I do understand how difficult it is for people to navigate because some people are okay with it. Some people are not. Well, if there's even the slightest chance that somebody might not be okay with it, maybe don't say Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Yeah. you know what I mean? Know your audience. Know who you're talking to. If you know me and you know I appreciate a dirty joke, well, you're a comedian, right? Like you are. I have, yeah. I can can take it. Like, um, talking about inappropriate comments, I want to go back. When I worked at McDonald's, there was someone who worked there in a position of authority when we would crouch or kneel to stock the milk fridge he would grab his pants and hitch it and say (gasps) while you're down there
5: (gasps) this is not okay right (laughs) yeah
4: my response always was get me a magnifying glass and some tweezers and i'll see if i can find it didn't bother me i could hold Mm -hmm. my own he didn't intimidate me Other girls made them very uncomfortable. He said this to teenage girls. So these are the kinds of things when you do react, they're like, oh my, get a sense of humor. I was only kidding. Mm -hmm. That is what we're up against, are these types of jokes and inappropriate comments. And when we react. And
5: I I think uh, I have a personal story or experience of, um, I guess you could call it sexual um, uh, harassment. And like a matter of feeling comfortable enough to report. And, mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes maybe there's a gray area of it's, well, it was a joke that the person made up, or, oh, wasn't that serious? Um, I experienced uh, a time when I was in college of walking off campus. Uh, somebody that was working um, on the roof, I guess some sort of repair, had uh, sort of uh, catcalled me, I guess you could say howled or whatever and it caught me off guard nobody was around but it was sort of embarrassing to Mm -hmm. be called out like that and and my mentality was if I go home I get into my car I go home and I do nothing about this Mm -hmm. what if this person thinks that it's okay to touch somebody without their consent or if they go to uh let's say a bar and and they cross a line you know like to what point is it uh, not okay? So, I, I decided to do something about it. And and um, in terms of people taking it serious, it was taken very very seriously. And I think that um, it's important that people uh, know that they need to behave in, in in certain ways and have expectations placed upon them. So, uh, you know, in terms of making certain jokes that are inappropriate work, people should know that. The policy is and there should be a policy in place yeah that you shouldn't go there no, you we you shouldn't even well, make there's, people feel there's a, a lot, lot of, of three
3: years there's, ago there's a lot of like workplace policies now yeah. yeah. on sexual harassment yeah. and yeah. and reporting and that things stay confidential and yeah and you it's you know?
4: unfortunate that it takes something happening for these to be implemented mm-hmm. right and it, it comes from the whole um we we're, we're supposed to be flattered by these comments <laughs>
1: yeah. i'm sorry excuse me
4: um no i've never really experienced it and i think it's because it looks i look like i could turn around and put you on your butt if you you know did something to me like said something right maybe not with my cane I mean, cane can be intimidating too but you know, i had a conversation um with two were you there was it jew no, i was speaking with at the fairgrounds one day Maybe. with um oh 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 i'm forgetting her name anyway we were chatting and i said the big issue is women are sexual beings but we're treated like sexual objects, objects. yeah i was
2: going to say that yeah in india we were, well, women look like a se- sexual objects mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and uh, um i like to share something here and um when you travel in the night in the bus uh, like a, i lived in almost uh, 10 hours journey from my hometown um going the uh, in the bus men sit at the back and they'll be kicking you in the back and uh, what i do is i take my pin set my pin you poke it on their feet <laughs> <laughs> i do
4: you love you you're like my yeah. girl <laughs>
2: So on their toes, yeah. So they kick with the toe, yeah. And I poke it, then they don't even turn my side.
6: <laughs> so I'd like to add to the conversation. Um, I I I'm an avid runner. Like I slowed down a lot, COVID. But, yeah. um, I was actually out on a run in Edmonton and at the River Valley, and I had my dog with me. I always took my dog because it was a safety thing, and I've always like I'm a girl. I shouldn't run alone. And I was, even though I had my dog, I was actually surrounded by a group of men and they are harassing me. And what saved me was my dog, you know? And I was harassed. I was catcalled. I was like so many terrible things, but not to like call it these women or anything, but there was two women watching while this happened. But, and I was so upset, but you don't think it's probably because they were scared. Mm -hmm. Like what, like what would have happened? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, a group of five men. So it was, like, five or six men surrounding me. And I'm, like, where do I go?
5: Yeah.
6: You know, and these two women are watching. And I did call the police. But they're, like, well, what can we do now? Yeah. Like, like so with the Me Too movement, do you think that there's, that m- women are feeling more comfortable? No. In,
1: no? in, in reporting no. harassment?
6: No. no. Like, with I think am Turner. Like, this, like, argument gets me heated. Mm. Brock Turner. Bro. Oh. You he was know? caught in the act three sexual assaults what he spent like six months in jail trigger warning trigger warning he was a white man and just recently i can't remember his name but wish i could and he got off the judge just let him free yeah overturned (laughs) his conviction one judge
4: said one judge said to a victim couldn't you have crossed your legs that was here in canada we so when it comes to trigger warning trigger warning when it comes to sexual assault uh with women we are the only victims of a crime that were asked, "What did we do wrong?" Yes. Now I am very open about my life and my experiences, and I was uh, sexually assaulted when I was 11. And it's a sad day and age when I say the words, "I'm lucky I was 11 because I was belie- believed." Mm-hmm. At what age I say to people, "Well, at what age do you stop believing people?" Mm-hmm. What you, you know, do you start? You but start but I think, weird. I think also oh. if you're drinking, if yeah. you,
3: if you do report something, number one, it is a trauma. Okay. So mm-hmm. you've experienced a trauma. Number two, you arrive at the hospital, you get, you know, it, it's just like trauma going, test. yeah. Like it's just another trauma Whereas like the rape hit and it's, you know, having to relive that story. And I watched a documentary where a young girl did go through a sexual assault and literally had to tell her story five or six times, you know, different officers, and they're writing it down every time. And you remember the information. Yeah, and you're reliving Mm -hmm. that trauma over and over. So sometimes um, people might feel it's best just to
4: not do it because they don't want to have to go through that side of it. Also, um, because of the trauma things happen to the brain and yeah. you don't remember things. So I don't remember his name. I don't remember the time of the year, but I can tell you what was playing on the radio. Yeah. I can tell you what his couch looked like, you know? So that's the other thing is um, our legal system needs to have a thorough overhauling and understanding of trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, gamesh Gameshian Yeah, Jim. Yeah, G- yeah, G- G- okay. So everybody's like, well, why did you go back to his house? You need to understand mm-hmm. the trauma that women or individuals feel, the people feel once this happens to them, and um, and and that kind of, for lack of a better word, twisted connection to, to their predator. Well, and I think our our bodies naturally,
3: um, when you're experiencing a trauma, there is a time where you know there could be periods where it's like a blackout you know you're that, or it's, it's, it's an out of yeah or it's an out of body experience where like you're not there but you're watching it happen and and naturally
4: we do that when we're experiencing a trauma also is did i did i remember like was i mistaken yeah because that's well that was one of her com- one of the victims comments mm. was like yeah i went back because i thought maybe i misunderstood yeah you know and I mean, let's face it. When these sorts of things happen, certain things are said to you. I was made to feel like it was my fault. I was in love then, you know? So that's another thing that, uh, women, um, cisgender and transgender deal with is it is the one crime where they are made to feel like they've done something wrong. You know, if you got mugged, well, were you wearing that expensive watch? Why did you wear that expensive uh, watch in that yeah. back out? Like it's your fault. Did like you have money in your pocket? What, you know? And I, oh, I get so angry with that. Were you drinking? Mm-hmm. Who cares? And when they do go on trial, their whole sexual past is it's brought sexual. up, which is why it's so important that we need to normalize women as sexual beings yeah. and not, not sexual, sexual objects, objects because uh, a trigger, get a trigger warning because a lot of people don't like this word, rape culture exists. Yes. There was a meme on Facebook years ago. It still circulates every now and then. And it's a split picture between a woman wearing work pants and um, she has knee pads on and she's wearing a cat shirt, right? Like the, the brand name cats, thing. and then on the next panel it says, oh, two can play this game. And it's a cat wearing a t-shirt that says whore. Okay. And people are sharing that and they think it's funny. And I remember sharing it and saying, okay, so what about this picture made her a whore? Was it the fact that all of her skin was covered? Was it the dirty knees? Like, and, it, and that is, it was a woman who shared it. And this is why it's important that we put an end to this sort of thing. Yeah, Because that right there perpetrates rape culture. Just because she was a woman she was a whore, and everybody thought that was funny that a cat was wearing it. These are the things that need to change so that people start taking women seriously when they report. Yeah. Wow. You go you look at the MMIW Two-spirited. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge yeah. issue oh. all on
6: its right. own. But missing murdered indigenous women is just it's out of this world of how indigenous women are treated. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like It's unreal and I just I can't fathom that idea of saying to someone, well,
4: what are you gonna do? And we we created a culture where that was, it seems to be okay, this happens Mm -hmm. to indigenous women because we are talking about a country that really needs to take a look at its history when it comes to indigenous individuals. But the fact that indigenous women to this day, maybe not right now, but in the last year or two, we're still sterilized against their will. Mm-hmm. We don't see them as individuals. We don't see them as people. And I'm not saying we. I mean, collective we. And it's it's you see it in BIPOC communities and LGBTQ2S+ plus communities. Um, we're not seen as some somebody that matters. And you're right. It is in. If we can go back hundreds
6: of years like i'm a registered alberta metis so you look at my great 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 grandmother her husband died and he was scottish and she was Metis, you know and she just got pushed pushed out of her land but that yeah. still happens yeah and this is at the end of the what late 1800s like, mm-hmm. yeah i would say yeah. you know and it still happening, maybe not pushed out of your land but women of indigenous culture are still being, like still having to fight for those extra rights that Mm -hmm. I identify as white. You know, I am Métis, but my skin is white. So I have that privilege of just like not having to think twice about it. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. I'm trying to be better about it, but. And I think the term is, because I have a friend who is my
4: talk and says passes as white. Mm -hmm. There's no question, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and I mean, yes, I'm LGBTQ2S plus, but you don't know that by looking at me. So I have a a privilege that someone who has, um, a visible difference, Yeah, you know what I mean? And even in my community, I had somebody say, you don't look gay. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair. Yeah. But you look like you wear sensible shoes. I do. I have a bad hip. Of course I look like I wear sensible shoes. But like my partner, she has all the piercing. She has the piercing. She has mm-hmm. short, spiky hair. Like you, you, I was guilty of it too. Looking at everyone like her, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's gay. Yeah. You know? So people were you know, like, I feel like a lesbian. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. What does that look like? I'm not wearing my patch today. Like, <laughs> you know? So I have um, that privilege also with being LGBTQ2S plus. <laughs> um, I was never in the closet. This, when I started dating my girlfriend, a lot of people asked me, well, when did you realize you were gay? I'm not gay. Yeah, pansexual. Yeah. When did you come out of the closet? I was never in the closet. Yeah, I never I, I never really, like I knew I was attracted to women and I knew I was attracted to different people. I was assumed I was gonna be with a guy. I never had any reason to live my life sheltered. So as being the founder of Renfrew Pride, sometimes I feel like a fraud because I don't have the same experiences as other people in my community mm-hmm. do because I've never been afraid to be who I am. I was 43 when I met her and she was like, well, what if what if your family, I'm like, I'm 43 years old. I've been single for 24 years. I'm just lucky. My heart still beats. Like that's all anybody's <laughs> going to be worried about is that I'm not dead inside. I lived too much of my life to care what people thought. I realized that gives me a unique opportunity to be a voice for my community because I haven't had that beat down, that bullying, that closeted experience that makes me afraid to speak out. Yeah. And so... I see that now as a responsibility to speak out.
3: And I think, I think what you're saying too is important where everybody has different privileges, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, I identify as a person of color, Um, but I'm mixed. So there's, there's two different areas. Right. And, and, you know, I'm married to a man and I haven't gone through certain things that some people in our LGBTQ2S plus community have gone through. And I have a friend who we did a presentation with the town of Petawawa. And when we, we chatted, you know, she, um, she's gay and I'm not, we just said, we both have really different privileges and that's why we came together to hopefully start a committee because we are coming from two different backgrounds but that's beautiful about diversity is that people can share their backgrounds and bring their perceptions and their ideas forward that we might not have thought about because we don't have that the same background as everybody exactly
1: well an advocacy and, and an inclusive mindset are, are As well as tangible action are are really needed in the community. I think we can all agree on that. And several of you sit on uh, diversity and inclusion committees. So, what what work is being done in those meetings right now?
2: And um, Pembroke is very active in diversity committee, and um, I think um, um, Evans' uh, dad, he's Mm -hmm. uh, chairing the committee, Mm -hmm. and um, they are really working. Uh, hard and going forward with uh, so many different things and um, mm-hmm. creating visibility in the community. Mm-hmm. And also, um, uh, I sit on the committee as a member and um, through different activities and programs and events, uh, we are um, libraries doing its job to create awareness in the community for the diversity and inclusion. And um, I'm the la- library, we do the Pride Week and um, um, Black History Month and also Multicultural Festival and all those things. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, uh, um, library gets a very important place in the diversity committee. Mm-hmm. And um, they are doing a great job and going forward creating visibility and uh, uh, making an inclusive place uh, uh, Pembroke. Uh, That's what they are trying to do. And um, I would like to say diversity uh, brings the prosperity to the community. And um, so we all have to work towards uh, inclusiveness and um, bringing diversity to our community to uh, make a great prosperity for this uh, uh, Redford County. Yeah,
3: so, so I sit on the uh, Longhorn College EDI committee. So mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of us. Um, we have students, staff, we have teachers. So it's a really diverse group. And we discuss a lot of different topics and issues, not only in our community, but in our college community. Okay. So some of the things that we've created, we've created a diversity and inclusion, uh, equity, diversity, inclusion um, comment box where people can actually submit um ideas or issues that are coming up we've okay. also created um land claim acknowledgements yeah um, we've done a lot of stuff I mean we've only been active for a few months but um we're also reviewing policies we're reviewing you know even access to healthcare for some of our transgender students that might not have doctors in the area to be able to provide them with with certain referrals um, but yeah, we're working on that. I And I am trying to start one in Petawawa as well, um, because I just think it's really important. Petawawa is a very diverse community. We have hundreds of people moving in and out every year due to military. And I think it's really important that um, we grow, we grow those committees and that all areas in Renfrew County and most workplaces have these. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Sonia, I think you're, you're on the Renfrew um, ad hoc committee, right? Yeah, um, and I guess
5: sort of the reason why I was, passionate about pursuing the committee was because I'm also uh, uh, Filipino and French-Canadian. And my mother, she came to Canada when she was about my age. Um, And she has experienced a few different instances of of racism or discrimination. Um, One in particular, when I was very small, it was just uh, when the new No Frills had opened up in Renfrew and somebody told her to go back to her country for whatever reason, which um, as far as I was aware, and now I'm especially aware, Canada is a um, a diverse uh, country and we are open and accepting of all different uh, cultures and ethnicities. So um, it is all of our country, Uh, but anyway, so in terms of um, our committee here in Renfrew, things sort of Uh, have, I guess, dwindled a little bit. And uh, I think that perhaps uh, a couple of struggles uh, uh, were sort of um, not knowing where to start or feeling like the issue is so overwhelming and um, where should we be taking action first? Uh, In education, uh, within small businesses or large companies? uh, And uh, sort of, I guess, disappointing um, and I almost feel like uh, not only is a committee or some sort of organization important to have, uh, but also to uh, encourage individual people to 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 have that conversation about diversity and inclusion. Uh, for example, for me, I remember one instance where I was um, working at a day camp, and I was talking about it for whatever reason. Uh, culture and and immigration with one uh, child and I just brought up the conversation of my mother is from the Philippines my father is from Canada and I think that that dialogue is really important to just to sort of normalize that conversation rather than uh, you know for example skin color being something that is uh, uncomfortable to talk about talk about our heritage uh, where you've come from whether your ancestors came from uh, Europe or, or elsewhere, just to, to have those conversations on an individual basis, I feel like is powerful, not as powerful um, without a committee uh, pertaining to diversity and inclusion. So I think that that's really important. I hope that, hope that moving forward, uh, maybe uh, that spark of passion will be sort of ignited again. Um, perhaps with the help of all of you to sort of get things back on track. But uh, I know that a lot of people are passionate about about the topic and are passionate about being inclusive and, and welcoming and, and, and educated about diversity and inclusion. So I think it's just a matter of, of um, having that conversation again, and, and making sure that the conversation continues. Um, and that that things uh, happen. Mm-hmm. So
1: well, and um, I too sit on the uh, Pembroke Diversity and Inclusivity uh, Advisory Committee uh, as my as part of my work with Local Immigration Partnership and the uh, the great work that was being is being done with that committee. Um, I approached the city to say, you know, I think that there's you you folks are this is an exemplar here, and uh, said, you know, I think that there is a lot of information that can be shared with all of the municipalities mm-hmm. to say. This is what's been done to date. We're not saying it's perfect, but this is a model that can be followed, a model that that has been successful and that um, uh, can be used to to start up. And and so Local Immigration Partnership, in in, uh, partnership with the City of Pembroke, we created a little how-to guide to create your own EDI committee. And so, you know, and and some of the terms of reference from the uh, Algonquin College Pembroke campus are in there, and just kind of a starter package so that there's a little bit of a guide, because it's scary. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a
3: fear of a misstep and the misstep in these instances is not stepping. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's true. true. And and I think a lot of municipalities are missing out on like grant pieces, right? Like there are certain grants in Canada that you can apply for if you're trying to build equity, diversity, and inclusion within communities. So it's not just about um, like and and yes, they can be expensive if there's certain things. You know, Pembroke did the diversity garden and a, a lot of different activities. Reviewing some of the murals and and approving you know indigenous artwork within the city. But um, but there are grants because this is something
4: that's really really important to promote. I think too, um, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but it's it's and if I'm wrong, I know people will correct me. But like you said, Renfrews has kind of gone quiet. Um, and I know that one of the big uh, mm-hmm. proponents or one of the one of the people that really pushed for this has moved to another town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what's important about these diversity committees is that the Responsibility is not so set so heavily on the shoulders of the people you're trying to support. It shouldn't be BIPOC and LGBTQ that puts in all the work. It's the allies. It's the allies that need to do this because um, I'm not speaking so much for myself because we've just established that I haven't experienced a lot of this, but a lot of members of the marginalized communities are just trying to survive day to day. It is not their job to teach us you know and and make the changes for us it is our job to educate ourselves and to learn and to put in the work. We can't turn to a member of BIPOC or LGBTQ2S and say, okay, tell us what to do. Yeah, What do we need to do to change? I know right now you're, you're dealing with systemic racism and um, homophobia and transphobia, but fix us, please, please fix us. But that's why that's why we not how that works.
3: That's why we don't ask Indigenous members of our community yeah. to do land acknowledgements yeah. because yeah. it's on the allies and it's on other people
4: to be able to acknowledge that. and I think the first thing that needs to be done, um, I'm speaking for Runford because I live here, is to acknowledge that there are biases here. Gender, systemic racism, because uh, we were talking about Ro. She was part of an article along with some other individuals talking about their racism experiences. Do you know how many people came to me and said, well, there's no racism. If she was experiencing racism, why didn't she tell somebody? she is and you're still not listening so that's the first thing that needs to happen (laughs) is that as a community we have to acknowledge that we have we have growing to do we have changing to do we have educating to do I think people take it very personally when they're told there's misogyny racism homophobia transphobia they're like but that's not me we're not saying it's you we're saying it's ingrained in our communities mm-hmm. and you need to and and the other word that people are really stuck on is privilege well i don't have money
3: it's
4: not necessarily what privilege means it's understanding that um my, the best analogy was a teacher came into the classroom put a waste basket in yes. front of the class yeah. and all the kids that. had to ball up their paper and throw it The people in the front row had no problem making the basket. People in the middle, a little harder. People at the back barely made the basket. It wasn't that the people in the front were better basketball players. They just had the privilege of being closer to the basket. That's what privilege is, is that, yes, your life was tough, but it wasn't made tough by your skin color or your orientation or identity. And that is a huge obstacle for the diversity committees to face in their communities. So as we creep up to three o'clock here, um, I have
1: a pretty big question for each of you. Um, So everyone plays a role in forging um, gender parity. How do you think you're making a difference? That's a a big
5: question. (laughs) I, I think essentially what it comes down to for any societal issue is to be kind, to encourage others to be kind, to critically think, to be open-minded and encourage others to do the same. And I think um, if if everyone was able to be open-minded, was encouraged to be kind and wanted to be kind, none of these issues would exist. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't care what other people decide to do with their lives, who they wanna be with, what they choose to do as a career. And I think that, I think maybe I kind of live in like the fantasy world of wishing that everyone was open-minded and kind and inclusive and, and, you know, more concerned about developing themselves personally and just trying to to make a positive contribution to, to the world. I think that's, that's the solution that I, that I foresee being effective in addition to everything else that's being done. But that, for me, that's like at the top of, Mm -hmm. at the top of the the list, which I don't necessarily know if it's realistic, Um, Mm -hmm. for everyone to be exactly that way, just because Mm -hmm. we're conditioned and, you know, we've had life experiences. And and I think that if we can just encourage people to be kind, and if we can be kind and spread that kindness, which sounds terribly corny, um, that is when we can make a more inclusive and positive community, and, and world for everyone to exist in. Yeah. I think first off, we have to recognize how the bias works in our favor.
4: Mm-hmm. Acknowledge that. Um, own that. Accept that. I think uh, for me personally, one of the biggest achievements was raising my son to be a feminist without even trying. Um, I think that role modeling, uh, living what we're talking about, you know, um, being what being that change we want to see in the world. Again, we're going to those corny cliche yeah. sayings, yeah. being the change we want to see in the world. And most recently, for me, with everything that's happening in the world right now, uh, and in our own backyard kind of thing in Ottawa, I had shared a post, and it was um, an Indigenous mind thought of, "What are my obligations, not what are my rights?" And that actually created a debate on my page I've been shifting my thinking mm-hmm. to what are my obligations to my community and to mankind as opposed to what are my rights because as soon as we fulfill our obligations to our community and to mankind those rights will just naturally be met so mm-hmm. that's yeah that's good
3: that's really I would good. say my piece is like advocacy so continuing to be active in my community be active in my workplace um, and educating others about why this is so important, um, whether it's diversity, whether it's you know gender biases and issues that, that come up. Um, but I will continue to be involved. I will continue to be a voice and I will continue to stand up for others. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I would like to add, uh, the change has to uh, come from within us mm-hmm. and we have to be uh, bias-free. And uh, we have to, um, for example, uh, uh, when my son got married, I told him, "You are not getting your mother; you are getting
6: your partner,
2: and uh, you have to share everything with your, uh, all the chores. You have to share." So, like that, it has to start from mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. to make changes. And um, even at home, uh, at an, uh, in the workplace, um, <clears throat> we have to be a, um, change makers. I will leave it with that.
4: I still love you. <laughs> yes.
1: mm-hmm. Well, uh, before we close today's event, I want to uh, take a moment to acknowledge Ottawa Valley's awesome and ultimate boss babe, Holly. Oh, thank you. The mastermind behind today's event, and of course, the, ho- the other Holly, the other talented Holly, alert from AJ Video <laughs> Productions, for capturing today's important dialogue. And I would also like to acknowledge that this is probably the most people that I've been in a room with (laughs) in quite some time, and I feel so privileged to have spent the last two hours with each and every one of you. I am grateful for all of your candor and uh, for sharing your thoughts on today's Break
0: the Bias. I am so privileged, as I echo Jody's words, you know, to be able to participate in this conversation by being a listener. I've learned so much. I really take a lot of value away from this. And I hope that all of you who joined us today have taken a lot of value away to this as well. Um, I've been watching the comments, believe me, I've been going through them and seeing everyone's commentary. And I wish that I could uh, speak loudly for you during the conversation, but um, I think that everybody touched on some great points and I, I don't even think that there's there's not time for questions because I really think that we covered it all. Um, You know, you guys really went there in all areas and I just think it was so valuable and I'm really appreciative that we have such strong voices that are amplifying other voices here in the community um, to be able to give them the opportunity to to say what, you know, what they might not be able to. So I want to thank you all for that. I'd like to thank Maple Ridge in Bed and Breakfast here in Renfrew for hosting us. This is a gorgeous location, as you guys have been able to witness the entire time. Uh, we've got some wonderful sponsors who donated swag bags to us. Uh, we've got Sunshine and Sweets, which is out here in Renfrew. We've got Farm Gate, which is out in prior, we've got Sweet Sucra, I hope I'm saying your business name right, Amanda, who donated macaroons, we've got so many others, and of course I'd like to thank the town of Renfrew, I'd like to thank the city of Pembroke, the town of Patawawa, uh, Renfrew County Community Futures Development Corporation, Paro Center for Women Enterprise in North Bay, who am I missing, Township of Laurentian Valley, and I think that's it. I do apologize if I forgot anybody else. Uh, Ottawa Valley Tourism Association. There we go. There was the last one. And again, I'd like to thank you, our listeners, our followers, our community for listening, for being a part of the conversation, and for our panelists who shared their opinions, their personal stories and experiences, and for being vulnerable, for speaking up for women in the Ottawa Valley. Thank you all for being here today. Ladies, thank you all for being here today. And we will be back soon.